following program is a production of Destiny Creative. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Okay, everybody ready? Yeah, you know, like I got some fresh ideas, you know? What's shaking, cats and kittens? Welcome to the OKC Show. I am your host, Jason Baffrey, and we are happy to be back for show number two of the OKC Show, the program that is all about the cool and interesting people that make up the Oklahoma City area. And we will talk about a little bit of everything throughout the course of the program, not just tonight, but in all of our upcoming shows. We had a great guest for our first podcast in Daniel Gordon. If you have not checked out that show, Please download it from our website, and of course the website is OKCShow.com. You can find us on Twitter, at OKCShow. Also, our Facebook fan page is worth taking a look at, and uh, we're proud to be here and having lots of fun. It's been uh, an interesting day. It's been hot, whereas our first show, it was pouring down rain, and we had to swim to get here. Today, it's been about uh, 99 degrees and 110% humidity, and that is Oklahoma weather and what makes this state so wonderful at times, uh, but we are uh, excited to be here once again at the Destiny Creative Studios. And we have a great guest lined up for the evening, and we are joined this evening by Mike Kaler. He is a public relations pro and former newspaper man. And Mike, glad to have you in the studios. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Jace. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll see what we can do tonight, and it'll be fun. Well, we have uh, plenty to talk about, and you have just launched off onto your own. You spent uh, over a year with the uh, a local PR firm mm-hmm. handling their new media, but tell us about what's going on now, because things changed for you dramatically yeah. in the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting uh, couple of days, and interesting past few weeks, actually. Uh, yeah, Monday was our first day of our new business. Uh, we launched uh, what, what we're calling Smirk New Media. Uh, it's a business, basically me and the uh, what's between my ears, uh, a laptop and, and a bunch of business cards talking to folks about how they can uh, use new media and all of these tools on the web to talk to their customers and to get attention for their business. What precipitated this move for you? Well, we, you know, I'd been really thinking about sort of the opportunity that was out there if I sort of made this this next step. You know, I've been talking to a lot of friends of mine who who've been encouraged me to go out on my own. There's really, for me, it was really a question of opportunity of being able to not just necessarily work with one firm and one stable of clients, but really being able to partner with uh, many, many firms, uh, a whole lot of different people in the marketplace, and just see what I could do with this. I think the timing was was really right for me. Uh, the interest in social media continues to sort of crest, and so I felt like if if there was any time for me to make this jump, it was now, and to really leverage that uh, excitement that was in Oklahoma City and the expertise that I was able to bring to bear. And when you approach this, how do you define new media and, and what you are doing? 
Well, it's funny when I first uh, got had my got my previous job at Snacky Turnbow Frank. We talked a lot about what to call that position, and there's there's sort of this big discussion online of new media, quote unquote, versus social media. Uh, to me, new media is not just Twitter and Facebook, but it's it's all of these tools that have been that have bubbled up to the surface even in the past 18 months it's vid- what you can do with video what you can do with live streaming video what you can do with geolocation you know to me foursquare is a new media element and it's not as much of a social media element so to me new media has a, sort of the broadest definition of tools that are available online uh, that can help people out and connect and in in the smart new media um Talk a little bit about your approach, how you're working with businesses, what you bring to the table when you connect with somebody. Well, I'm I'm, I'm trying to draw as much as I can on 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 both my experience working at a professional service firm and what I learned in 15 years of, in the journalism business. Most recently, when I was the multi multimedia editor at News OK. Um, so what I'm what I'm focusing on as far as services go is being able to help your business connect with people online using these tools but we're also pitching a lot of sort of content management and you know that might sound boring to people but for me it's it's being the person that bridges the gap between between a business and their website as far as figuring out what words am I going to be putting out there? What am I going to be sharing with people? What do I know that's going to bring value to people? Because like I wrote in the blog this morning, um, a lot of people uh, take that leap into uh, the online world. You know, I'm going, you know, a business owner will say, I'm going to have a Facebook page, I'm going to have a Twitter page, and I'm going to have a website, and it's really going to be great. And then they sit down in front of their computer, and they're like, now what do I do? What what do I put on there that's going to do me any good? And that's really where we're talking to people. Yeah, you can about... only distribute so much Farmville information. <laughs> right, right. There's a funny story about that. Um, you know, to me, content, you know, it's sort of a word that we throw around all the time about the stuff that's on the Internet. But to me, there's real value in that. And if you get that right, if you get that idea of sort of what do I, Jason Baffrey, have in my head that will draw people if you can figure out what that thing is uh then that's going to determine a large part of your success that you have online i can tell you right now i'm nothing but an empty shell and a couple of golden (laughs) pipes that's about it so starting a new business with the uh, the current state of the world the Mm -hmm. economy i mean you're with a successful local firm Mm -hmm. and and i don't know all the details on uh, STF, but probably one of the larger PR mm-hmm. firms in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, has to be kind of a, not a cush job, but a certain amount of <laughs> well, yeah. security there. And yeah. then uh, you decide, now's the time. I'm going out on my own. That must have been a, a difficult decision to make in some ways. Yeah, it, you know, it really was. And, um, but, you know, big risk, big reward, you know, sort of what I convinced my wife of. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, to me, I'd really been been very diligent about building up a brand in in our community. You know, people related uh, what I, who I was online with somebody who knew sort of what they were talking about. 
in this space because you know I'll tell you there's no there's no shortage of social media experts uh, in the world. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about yeah, that. I mean, and uh, uh, and so I felt like um, I I had learned you know through being with Schnaki who who really gave me some great lessons as far as what it means to provide professional services and, and sort of expectations that businesses have and and what really works that, you know, I'm going to be able to draw from that uh, and really sort of have a little bit of an adventure here. And, and, you know, there's enough work initially where, you know, things are going to be okay, and, and but, you know, the upside uh, is, is really as much as I want it to be. So. Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about this. I mean, obviously, since you're doing this, but I feel like right now with the, the job market and everything that's mm-hmm. out there, really the only way to move ahead and move forward is to do something on your mm-hmm. own. And you see, uh, I, th- I think you're seeing more people mm-hmm. take that leap off of the edge and because it's so difficult to find a job right now. And, and fortunately right. for you, you were not in that position. You were able to make that decision that you were ready to, to move into your own deal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and that's really where I'm finding partners or, or potential partners with a lot of enthusiasm. You know, I think Oklahoma City is is kind of unique in that, you know, we didn't get it as bad as other people got. And we have some, you know, as corny as this might sound, we have some pioneering spirit in sort of the people that live here. And so there's a lot of folks out there trying to make their own way. And what what we've really talked about, my wife and I have really talked about at the heart of what we're how we're doing our business is we want to help other people succeed. And I feel like if you sort of keep that, you know, at the center of what you're doing, um, that's where we're going to find our most success. You know, we'll partner with, you know, some solo PR practitioners who are out there and want to service their clients and want to provide social media, but just might not have that capacity. Web design firms who are so busy that they need help figuring out content for their clients, things like that, where I can come in and and partner up and really help somebody add capacity. I think is where we're going to see some success and 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 you know just to sort of go down this road a little bit more. You know, we really prayed a lot about what how this was going to work and uh, what we kept coming back to. Uh, what I kept coming back to was that I had developed this network of people uh, online that, to me, were really flesh flesh and blood folks. Were people I've had lunch with, people I've hung out with, people uh, whose brain I've picked about various subjects, and and just in the run up to launching the business, we were really able to lean on those folks for advice, lean on those folks for potential partnerships, and. And as much as, as as some people might sort of poo-poo this whole notion of, you know, your social network or these are are these really your friends or not, you know, to me I wanted to walk the walk and say, yes, this if you do this right, um, your social network can really help you out in in ways you really can't imagine, and and that's uh, what. The business that we're gonna that we're getting initially is really a testament to that. Well, that sounds great, and uh, I guess the most important part is you have figured out a way to be able to make a living doing that. 
And well, well, yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think a lot of what you said, it goes back to a, an elemental thing that Zig Ziglar, the great Zig Ziglar mm-hmm. says, is you can get everything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. Right. And that's and, exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And that's, and I think you see, and you see the people who are succeeding, especially online. And this is, as I try to sort of, make that a little bit more real for people you see that the companies that are succeeding online and the individuals who are succeeding online are for the most part helpful honest transparent you know i can do the whole boy scout uh, code for you (laughs) but you know a lot of those virtues uh that people value um are coming to bear more and more in the world of marketing and pr and and, and things like that. Well, I think in a situation, certainly with businesses, but even on a personal level, right. I mean, if you're going to be online with the way everything is now in the social networks, if you're not transparent, somebody's going to figure you out pretty quick. Right. Uh, you know, so if a business... I mean, you just asked BP, I mean, about yeah. the value of transparency online. So, you know, I and I think that's, you know, people are for really forgiving. And if you're going to have this relationship with them on on the social networks, it's okay for you to say, hey, I screwed up. And, you know, and they'll know that if they've come to trust you or come to see you as a valuable part of their day, uh, which is what we talk to people a lot about, uh, then they'll, you know, that'll be like, that's okay, we understand, and let's go on and continue this relationship. Let's talk a little bit about, you You brought it up earlier, um, the uh plethora of social media experts that exist out in cyber world uh it seems like every time you know you, there's a new follower or you find somebody new there's you know for every one there's 50 more social media experts or at least claiming to be uh that's a pretty thick market to be involved in <laughs> yeah what uh, what are your opinions on that well um you know it's interesting because it's really become uh sort of a punchline online i mean we're Social media consultants are the used car salesmen of the internet. Um, uh, you, you know, and it's hard for me because I feel like this really grew organically for me. You know, I didn't just wake up one morning and decide, hey, I, this is what I want to be when I grow up. But it really grew from uh, my experience at the Oklahoman and being sort of the guy who could find stuff out on the internet. And that eventually grew into, you know, uh, helping develop specific content for the web, which is, you know, the way that we are sort of evolving, which grew into being the multimedia editor and doing some really exciting and interesting things online with with the community that grew up around News OK um, and eventually into this PR function um, where it was more do helping businesses create those sort of communities so it, it hasn't been sort of a overnight deal by any chance and there's some honestly there's some social media people out there who feel like i've got x number of followers i must be an expert at this you know pay me you know write me a check each month and i'll tell you how to do it too you know it based on because even though yesterday they might have been whatever washing din- dishes at, right. the, at the steak and shake. Um, so, so for me, you know, the burden's sort of on me to differentiate myself 
from those other people. And I feel like that where that's really where the personal branding has come in and that they don't see me as sort of money driven. They don't see me as just regurgitating whatever I've read online, but really drawing on my experience both inside the media and hearing pitches and seeing how things have developed on that end to being on the outside, pitching to the media uh, and seeing what works in the other direction. And, and, and at least in that way, I feel like I'm unique in the market and I, there's some space between me and the, the other folks doing this. And you've kind of walked both sides of the street. You mm-hmm. graduated from Missouri State University mm-hmm. and uh, got your start early at the uh, at a Springfield the Springfield newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, working the beat, I assume. Well, uh, my dad, you know, my dad was a newspaper guy, and he worked at the paper in Springfield. And so I sort of grew up being around the newsroom, and always found that interesting. I have you know a, a fair amount of writing ability. So basically, after I turned, after I got into college, um, I went straight from working at McDonald's to working in the newsroom, answering the phone, you know, freelance, you know, freelancing stories, and sort of grew up uh, writing sports, uh, doing sports mostly, uh, and you know, and that's sort of how my career evolved. I was a sports guy. It was an easy way to earn you know, 50 bucks a week to cover a high school game. And then it sort of, you know, grew up around that. So, And it, it's got to be interesting for you coming from those very small town newspapers. And I've mm-hmm. had friends that wor- have worked small town newspapers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it ends up being more of a, a, a gossip rag than <laughs> than news. And, and I don't really mean any disrespect by that, but, I mean, just everything that's going on around town, uh-huh. it, it kind of gets that feel from time to time. But to... Uh, do that and then go to work at the uh, the Oklahoman uh-huh. and then transition into more of an online capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have really been through the transition of the newspaper industry mm-hmm. and seen what's going on there. Um, talk about that a little bit. Well, it's funny. Before I worked at the Oklahoman, I worked in Muskogee. I was a sports editor there uh, for a few years. And I remember having the discussion in Muskogee in about 1998 or 99 about having a website and i was i was dead set against worrying about the internet at that point because we i remember we there had been a, a study that came out that showed that a third of the people in muskogee and cherokee county didn't have a phone line and i was like <laughs> these people don't even have phones they're not going to get on the internet uh, so I, I poo-pooed that whole idea. And then, uh... Well, you know, Prince says it's dead. The, Prince says the internet Prince is dead? Prince says the internet is well, dead now. Well, <laughs> consider the source, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, so something, you know, but personally, as I got to do stuff with the web more and more, I just fell in love with it. And to me, uh, you know, to me, no one is more of an advocate for the web now because it's, you know, I think it's the greatest invention that's ever been done. I think being able to have a device in your pocket that can answer any question that you can think of uh, is is exactly what mankind has been moving towards. It's it, Knowledge, to me, is the greatest gift you can give, and that's 
and and that uh, combined with sort of ma- a, uh, our best nature is really to me what's powering the web. Um, Thank God for Al Gore. That's all I. Have yeah, to say. well, <laughs> uh, he can take all the credit he wants for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's been to just talk about journalism though. For uh, if we want to go on that tech, it's really been transformative, and what. Uh, to me is one of the key things is that it took the decision of what was important out of the hands of a very few people and gave it back to the hands of the readers and the consumers of that information. Because up until, up until, you know, when you could look at a website and see the ranking of the stories that had been read, you we're always playing a guessing game of we think this we think people are interested in this um, and that those conversations happened every day at every newspaper I'd ever worked in you know the the people who worked at the paper and God love them they were well intentioned would sit around the table and pick what they thought was the most interest to the people in their community based on sometimes nothing based on sometimes hunches based on focus focus groups rarely but you know never uh never sort of the raw numbers were never there unless you were standing over someone at their breakfast table when they were reading that paper in the morning you could never know if you did it the right way um and i think the web as well as some metrics and sort of a more of a business sense about people in newsrooms have changed that now to where we're giving people what they want at last. Um, and uh, the, the, conf- the, the conflict comes where people don't want to let go of that power that they've had. And, and uh, a certain segment of people working in journalism don't think that, uh, don't think of themselves in a business sense and don't think necessarily popularity uh, of content is a good thing. Um, so, you know, it's sort of the, we're going to give you vegetables because you need to eat your vegetables. Uh, so there's, and that's where the conflict is going on in newsrooms. Do you not see it as a, as a bit of a double-edged sword though, especially for a guy that grew up, uh, as a journalist writing Mm -hmm. for a newspaper Mm -hmm. and, and now you want to have a, you have a business doing Mm -hmm. this and you've been a professional about Mm -hmm. it. But by the same token, somebody who just quit working at McDonald's or maybe is still working at McDonald's mm-hmm. can have a blog that, you know, they may not have the knowledge, the mm-hmm. the writing skill, but mm-hmm. they may have people that want to read what they write. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of opened the market up for anybody. Sure. Same way with rea- reality television. And coming from a television mm-hmm. background, I get very frustrated in turning on the TV now and seeing that it no longer, I mean... From from my standpoint, as somebody who has hosted TV shows and everything, now you don't even have to have any broadcasting experience right. to be on a lot of shows. Much less, you know, I can only imagine what the the writers who have written, you know, some of the most successful crime dramas or law drama dramas, comedies, you know, those shows have been pretty much wiped wiped off the slate for reality programming. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I. I th- I, th- you know, I think it's all all going to be. There's a little bit of elitism in all in all of this, um, and I think the people, I think the journalists who write about bloggers who sit around in their pajamas, uh, blogging, are doing that a little bit out of fear, 
because, you know, just like I talk to businesses, uh, you know, my opinion is that everybody has some expertise. And the guy who lives next door to me who has a blog about, you know, the, the, the latest episode of SpongeBob SquarePants might not be valuable to me, but my you know, my, my ten year old who wants to read about SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> or, you know, just insert whatever you want to in that. Right. Model railroading, gardening, you know, anything that this guy might do is gonna have some value to people. And that's where um journalists for the most part who've had to spend their lives as sort of generalists might not understand that. But um if uh, and just like me in a very specialized sort of business, if I can get a handful of people to value my services, I can make a good living out of that. If that blogger can get 100 people, 200 people to read his blog all the time, then that's a success. It's like it's it's very much going to niches. It's very much going to very specialized content online. And so it's hard for the mass media to sort of – grasp that and um, and adjust that. What do you think the viability of the newspaper business is right now? Well, you know, all of what I said being said, I still think there is value in original reporting. Until Google invents a robot that's going to go to the Edmond City Council meeting uh, or go to the Dell City football game, original reporting is going to have to be done somewhere by someone. Um, it might end up being done, you know, it might be done by, instead of a big, big company, it might be done by two bloggers who have a blog dedicated to Dell City. Um, it's just going to have to come from somewhere. And this is sort of the fracturing that we're dealing with right now from sort of this, you know, the the conversations we had in the newsroom was this discussion of uh, mass versus class. Are we going to continue along this road and be a mass medium where we're trying to get stories out there that appeal to as many people as we can? Are we going to tailor our content to um, women over 50 who make who have a household income of 200 grand who live in Northwest Oklahoma City and Edmond, you know, and that's the sort of discussions that are being are taking place. And, uh, you know, if the mass media can't service that particular audience, then there might be a blog or someone online who does that for them. But do you think, I mean, a paper, a piece of paper <laughs> that you hold in your hand, well. is there any any life left in that or is i mean you would talk about content you can find everything that you want mm -hmm. for any kind of content mm -hmm. on the web and and most newspapers now um have a website mm -hmm. and they're they're delivering their content there mm -hmm. and it it's obviously easier to load it up mm -hmm. um the costs are, are less mm -hmm. but yet there are still i mean opubco and uh you know newspapers all across the country are still putting out a print product mm -hmm. But what's your opinion of it? Um, well, I just think that it's not part of someone's day anymore, and that's where eventually I think the print product is going to go away. Because if you think about it, the first thing I look at when I wake up in the morning is my phone. I check my email. I check my social networks, and I might, you know, read 
some news content on there, New York Times or News OK or, or what have you. And that's the last thing I look at when I go to bed at night because it is fluid, it is dynamic, it is new, everything. And, you know, frankly, the print product is a relic of an uh, age that we don't live in anymore. You know, you're getting uh, things that are at best 12 hours old in the print product. And I think there's some space for some really, you know, great, well-written analysis and 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 that sort of piece. You know, I love to read the Sunday sports section after an OU football game. Mm-hmm. I love to see what Barry, has, Barry Trammell has to say. I love to sort of, you know, take that all in as an event. But I think... If you look at I I'm an anomaly. I'm 37 years old and if you if they stop delivering the paper to my house every morning, it really is not going to affect me. You know, I might not get the coupons on Wednesday. Right, I'm the same way. But uh it's not going to change my life significantly. It's not going to change my news consumption because there's still a place for me to get that. Um I think anyone younger than me, hardly any of those people get the paper. It is very rare. I mean, the num- the numbers and the demographics are just not with them to support the print publication. I mean, this is a business. And, and again, I mean, I love all of these people, and it's it's something that's really near and dear to my heart, the whole business. And, and for a long time, my the goal of my life was to save this thing, and I, and I knew that was untenable. But you know, this is a business where literally its best customers are dying. I mean – the average age is over 50, and in 10 years, those two people, a lot of those people just aren't going to be around, yeah. and there's nobody coming up behind them to replace them as as seven-day-a-week home delivery subs- yeah. subscribers. And so, uh, you know, and, and then you got to look at sort of the bottom line of it where, you know, increasingly it's going to be for papers that it's going to co- – they're going to lose money for every – truck that they send out and put that on somebody's doorstep. Yeah, absolutely. Can you believe how it has changed over, I'm, I'm just a couple of years older than you, mm-hmm. um, although I look about 10 years younger than you do. Yes, uh, you're a handsome man. <laughs> but I mean, in, in our adult lifetime, I mm-hmm. mean, the change that has taken place with media mm-hmm. and, and the, the growth of the internet, I mean, it's unbelievable to me when I sit down and think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, when we were kids... You know, in the 70s and 80s, uh, I had five channels when I was a kid. I can remember when, and I'm sure you can too, TV went off. I mean, there was no, at midnight, you're done. Yeah, exactly. It was like, they played the Star Spelling Banner and they showed the the, uh, jet. I remember that like it was yesterday. And, but then I also remember when we got the, the, the box for our cable. Yeah. And I remember when... Uh, when we people were talking about digital cable, and I remember logging on um, bulletin boards when I was a kid, uh, when sort of the first things on the web were these BBS message boards that you would get on, and I re- I still remember to this day when uh, a few people I knew from a message board online in 1987 were all going to go bowling one night together, and I told my mom I'm like, hey, I'm going to meet these people that I know from the computer. And it was like, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, they're all they were all, you know, 
child murderers, right. uh, potentially. And that was some sort of DOS system, and it was all... Yeah, you would, like, log in with your 2600 baud <laughs> modem, and you would talk about Dungeons & Dragons, and it was a good old time. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... It's remarkable uh, that sort of the choice my kids have now, uh, as opposed to what we had, you know, either Walter Cronkite or, you know, or whoever right. when I was a kid, Dan Rather. Yeah, and I and I'm if you've got kids, you're probably like I am, and I, I probably use it differently. I, I use the well, I didn't have that when I was a kid. You don't need it. Uh-huh. And that's getting harder and harder, especially with you don't need to get on the internet to study for school because right. you know go get a book. And uh, well, my three. I mean, it's also you know it's also ridiculously intuitive now. And my three year old son knows how to pick up my iPhone, you know, slide to the app that he wants, click on it, and play a game. And he's three. And that's my amazing. my son, who's ten knows that if he has a question about something, you know, it used to be sort of, you know, Beaver Cleaver would ask Ward Cleaver, why is the sky blue? But now my son, who's 10, knows that he can get on Wikipedia and pretty much find out the history of anything um, that he wants to and have that sort of thirst for knowledge. Quest. Well, you know, with my kids, I had a good thing going because they would, if, if I would say a word that they didn't know, mm-hmm. I would say, Go look it up. Go mm-hmm. get a dictionary and look it up. Well, our middle daughter got a uh, a um, an iTouch recently, uh-huh. and so she now she has dictionary on there because yeah. she saw it on my iPhone. So now she can't. She won't even go look it up. She just pulls out the dictionary <laughs> right. there, which is good. She's still looking it up. But you know, I liked. I kind of like that little extra. You go to and open the book up and and look it up. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sort of I'm sort of new school like that. One of the things that I was notorious about at the Oklahoman was I went around one day and threw away everyone's phone book. Because <laughs> um, I was like, we don't need these anymore. And they're like, oh, it's a phone book. I'm like, dude, you know, called Google. If you're going to live in this world now, we need to be able to look stuff up on the web. So. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much has changed. Well, talk a little bit about uh, Smirk New Media, the new business. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your approach? You go out, uh, can you talk about anybody that you've partnered with so far well we're still you know we're still sort of closing deals at this point um you know what i'm really encouraged about is is this offering that we have uh what we're calling content shepherding uh, and that's where we're working with web design companies to work with their clients on on the delivery of content and uh the, the reason that excites me is because it's sort of a win-win-win for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of great web design companies in Oklahoma City who are doing great work, and, and for the, for some of them, uh, you know, they'll ha- they'll design a great site. It's going to be wonderful and really functional. And the thing that's holding that back from debuting to the world is getting content from the clients. And and, you know, these are people who work hard at their businesses and just might not have the time or the inclination to sit down and write a contact us page or sit down and write a splash page. And what I want to do is sort of be the plumber and uh, unclog the pipes there and be able to get that content uh, to where it needs to be, get it on that site, and make that a, a great site for that business. And so, you know, we've got some some potential partnerships cooking there that should come through you know this week it will be a great week for us another thing i'm doing uh 
for companies is I'm big on helping them write uh, social media policies for their employees uh, because it's sort of a peace of mind situation for businesses where they jump into the deep end of the pool when it comes to using social media for their marketing and their employees don't really know where the boundary lines are as far as what can I do as an employee uh, in this space when I'm talking to people about what I do at work. Is that anything like a morals clause? or? Well, you know, it's there's a lot of rules that companies have to go by uh, to keep themselves out of trouble in terms of privacy, in terms of confidential business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my... Yeah, I you know I can sort of do a very scary pitch on this sometimes, but essentially, if you're working at a business, you're one click away from the world knowing who all your clients are, what all your financials are, and all the deals that you have uh, in process. If an employee decides to be sort of unscrupulous like that, but also you're you know you want to protect your brand, and that the law the law is more and more holding companies accountable for for what their employees do online. You know, if you decide, well, I'm not going to sexually harass Betty Lou, the secretary, uh, at work, but I'm going to be her Facebook friend and I'm going to send her some pretty righteous Facebook messages about what I'd like, you know, what I'd like her and, her and I to do. Uh, the company can be held accountable for that. So you've got to know... Um, sort of what your employees are doing, give them good guidelines for how they can protect themselves, how the brand can be protected, and and sort of make sure that social media is working in everyone's favor. And so I've, I've done a lot of that before, and that's something I'm pitching right now to folks. So Very good. Well, Mike Kaler, we uh, wish you good luck with the new endeavor. It is Smirk New Media, and they can find you online at... Uh, well, like I say, I'm the most accessible, uh, I'm the easiest to find guy on the web. Uh, if you see the letters MKOKC, that's me, wherever you go, on Twitter, on Facebook, on just about everywhere. Uh, SmirkNewMedia.com is the website of our business. And Smirk New Media is our Twitter and Facebook account uh, as well. So be, I'd be happy to connect with anybody. Excellent. Well, Mike, uh, we appreciate you coming in and being on the OKC show and talking about Smirk New Media and the the world of media in general. It's been a pleasure. And uh, my thanks to the main man out here, producer of the show, Nathan Davis, Nate Dog, And uh, my name is Jason Baffrey. I'm the host. You can find us online at www.okcshow.com. Probably don't need to say that www anymore, do Everybody just knows that you say It's sort of taken for granted. I just like doing it. (laughs) Uh, Also find us on Twitter, at OKC Show. We have a Facebook fan page as well. And uh, more content coming. Mike Kaler, Smirk New Media, has been our guest. Mike, thanks again. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We are out of here. The OKC Show is a production of Destiny Creative.